We in here today. We in here today. I came to pod. Episode 133. I came to pod today. How are everybody doing out there? Everybody out there is fine, doing well health-wise. Hope everybody out there, I hope everybody's mental state is still pretty good. Y'all know who it is, y'all know who it is. Okay, welcome back everybody, welcome back, welcome back to the another episode of the IKP, the Isaiah Kid Podcast, episode 133, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid. you know who it is, you know who it is, so, boy oh boy, I had, I had a topic laid out and all, I had a LeBron topic I was going to discuss, and bring out and flush out to start this podcast with this episode with, but <laughs> Cam Newton in New England they strike they 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 strike. So let's get into it. Let's not waste no time and let's get into it. So Cam Newton. <laughs> Cam Newton, New England Patriots. Cam signed a deal, one year deal. Uh, with the Patriots, um, I, I, so first, first, let me say this: I am glad that Cam has got a job. I'm happy that he's got a job. Uh, all throughout the off season, it seems like Tom Brady, Cam Newton, and the Patriots. It seems like they are the gift that keep giving. They like they, they are the gift that keeps giving. Um, I I already told you guys. Cam was going to get a job. And I told you guys, most likely that job will probably be, will probably mean that he's a starter. Um, I didn't think he was going to get the, I thought he was going to get the job in during the season. But New England, uh, they needed a quarterback. And that's, and that's been my whole point. My whole point about Cam Newton is, I thought Cam was going to get a job sooner than later. But my also about New England because I've been talking about both of these both of these parties I've been talking about for basically the entire offseason. New England and their departure from Tom Brady and then their quarterback struggle or you know them searching for a quarterback or is Jerick Stidham really the guy? I wasn't sold because Belichick wasn't sold and clearly this is a move where Belichick was not sold. Now let's get into the Cam Newton because I saw the I saw the end of that. Oh boy, I I knew the Cam Newton fanboys was gonna come out the closet. I knew everybody, you know, the media is gonna you know blow it up. And I loved it. I loved it. I said, you know what? I'm starting the episode with this. And it was no way. Cam is a star, former MVP. The Patriots are the Patriots. So I was like, uh. I'm gonna come in here and give them what they want, okay? So, and I'm on record saying I did not think the Cam Newton in New England 
I, I, and I still stand by it. I didn't, I didn't think the two, Cam Newton playing for the Patriots, playing for B- Bill Belichick, I, didn't th- I, I, didn't, I just didn't think it was a great match. And you guys all know, you got to have the correct, you got to have the right match in this league with coaching and weapons and team and organization. I, you guys know I'm a firm believer of that. And the way how Cam plays is the total opposite of what Belichick likes. Cam is loose, energetic, not really efficient. Belichick is rigid, tight, and focused, and likes. He Belichick is all for efficiency. And I just didn't think the two, I just think they had so many, in, they had so many opposites. I didn't think they matched. But this New England thing is, it's, you know, with, with Cam going to the New England Patriots, I, I like it. It's interesting because I thought with Jerk Stidham, I thought the Patriots was looking at a 6-10, and 10, maybe 7-9 and nine season. With Cam Newton, they are now, I see, they're, they're definitely much more entertaining. They're much more interesting because I know Cam is going to be able to make plays. But the, the Patriots today are much more interesting than they were last week. Much more interesting. And I think with the addition of Cam, I think that makes them an 8-8 eight eight team. I still, I don't think they'd make the playoffs. So, when, you know, I saw some media members say, hey, uh, the Patriots are the third best team in the conference. Uh, no. I still think they'd be like an 8-8 eight eight team. They'll probably finish second or third in their division. But I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't see no drastic jump where Cam Newton takes the Patriots to the Super Bowl. Far more the playoffs. Because look at these factors. I'm gonna give you these factors. New England has a complicated. They have a complicated offensive system. Their scheme offensively is so complicated. Cam is not really detail-oriented. Cam is loose. Also, New England's offensive line coach, I don't know, he may be one of the greatest offensive line coaches in in, in NFL history. He retired. That's a key factor. And then, all we've been talking about this offseason, all we were talking about with Tom Brady and all of last year was... How, like, New England's weapons. New England, they, where are the weapons at? I've been making this point the entire, I've been making this point the entire offseason. I've been making this point. Brady left due to the offensive supporting cast. That's why Brady left. That was a, that was a big reason, a key reason why Brady left. Due to the lack of offensive supporting cast. Jacoby Myers and Julian Edelman led the league in drops. And Muhammad Sanu, who's really not a second or first option. They don't have a, they don't have a reliable tight end. So I, 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 I'm glad that Cam got the job. But when I look at New England supporting Cass, I'm like, who's there? Who's he throwing the ball to? Because if Brady had a hard time and we were and there were some critics of Brady and Brady didn't have the greatest season. But I'm like, you look at these weapons that New England have. How could you be productive? 
Also, New England has no deep threat. Cam Newton, now, I think he's very talented. He's not the most efficient. But Cam likes to take deep shots. New England has no deep threats. New England has no deep threats. They have nobody that can, that can create separation. It's just as simple as that. New England offense, this New England offense is built on efficiency. This is more of a 10-play, 11-play drive. If you look at most of the, and I think, I think you can say this for everybody. A lot of the high-octane offenses, a lot of the high-productive offenses, they have at least one guy that can just burn. They, like, they have that, that just have the Jets, and they, or they, they have burners, and they can just turn a 10-yard play into a 50-yard play. Kansas City got that. Baltimore has that. San Francisco has that. Seattle could... You know, with Russell Wilson, his playmaking ability, they can create that. Did I say Baltimore? Baltimore has it. New Orleans, uh, the New Orleans don't quite have it. Tampa Bay has it. All of the high productive offenses have it. The Cowboys have it. New England does not have that. They don't have that element. So this, this so this offensive scheme that that Cam is going into, it's not built for him. It's more built for, like, Tom Brady. It's built for Tom Brady. This offensive scheme that New England has, or these, or, or the players that's around Cam, or that's going to be around Cam, it's not built for Cam. It's not built for Cam because they have no deep threats. They have nobody that can, gain sep- that can create separation. This is about, this offensive system is about details, efficiency, 10 and 11 and 12 play drives. There's no, there's no, no, there is no big hitters in the, in this offensive scheme. There's no big hitters. Cam, and you can, and if you want to argue that Cam is not efficient, Cam career completion percentage is 59. Tom Brady's is 65. Brady actually, in fact, has never been below 60%. His completion percentage never has fallen under 60. So Belichick and Brady and this offensive scheme that that Cam is going to is based upon efficiency. And Cam is not the most efficient. But once again, I think with the talent of Cam Newton, the talent that Cam possesses, I think he'll still be able to make plays. And I think New England, instead of them winning six games, I think they will win eight games. I think they'll win eight games. But when, you know, I, you know, because a lot of people, a lot, all over social media, all over the internet, I mean, just plastered everywhere. There are these high expectations for Cam Newton and the Patriots. And I'm like, it's still the same team. Yes, their defense, they have players on defense. But their defense is a little older. It's a little expensive. Depending on where the season goes, 
I heard they might try to make a move. They might try to trade Stephon Gilmore or trade Joe Tooney. So the pieces that New England does have, and most of them are on defense, the pieces that they that New England does have, they might move them depending on how the season is going. They might move them depending on how the season is going. And I know Belichick is a, he's a great defensive mind. You guys are going to lean on that, his defensive mind. But I look at I, offensively, you know, I, I was talking about it. I've been talking about it these past few weeks. But the league is changing. You got to be able to score points. You got to be able to. You got to. You got to be able to score points in a variety of in a variety of ways. Mahomes and Kansas City are so good because they can score points in a variety of ways. They 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 can attack you from multiple ways. New England can't attack you at all. This team. This this is an underneath pass pattern. No no big time playmakers. No deep threats. No, nothing over the top. Nothing over the top. Because, quite frankly, quite frankly, New England don't have, they don't, they don't have the players. They don't have the depth. They don't have the roster. They don't have the offensive supporting cast to play like that. And I think that's going, that's going against the grain. That's going against Cam Newton's strengths. So let's pump our brakes with, all of these high expectations for Cam Newton. Like I said, I, I, you know, I've been saying it throughout the whole entire offseason. I thought Cam was going to get a job, and I thought the job he was going to get was going to be a starting job. It was going to be a starting role. Because I, I, still, I still do think Cam Newton is a starting quarterback in this league. But I said it's going to be a while. I didn't think it was going to be this soon. I didn't think it was going to be at the, at the end of June. I was thinking may, maybe between August, September, getting close to the season, I thought that's where he would land his job. But he got the job. He's with New England. New England, you know, it seems like they're not as high on Jerick Stidham as I expected because, you know, I've I, I heard all these beat writers, all these journalists telling me, hey, Jerick Stidham, <laughs> Belichick loves him some Jerick Stidham. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I, I I I don't know. I gotta see it for myself. I gotta hear it for myself. And with the and with this latest move with Cam Newton, it, Bel- Belichick, Jerick Stidham may not. He just he just may be a career backup. But this move it it, it contradicts all, with everybody was saying. Well, all these writers were saying Jerick Stidham's the guy. It contradicts everything because this move is clearly a move where Belichick's like, hey, I need. I need some juice. I need some juice. I need some juice flowing. I need some. I need some electrifying plays. I need a playmaker. So, so according to all these writers and all these journalists that were saying, "Oh, Jerick Stidham is the guy. He's the guy going into day one of the uh, training camp. He's the guy going into the season." I said, and I pushed back every time. I pushed back every time because I didn't hear. For, I didn't. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear for Belichick. I didn't see any signs for Belichick. I didn't. Belichick kept saying, hey, you know, we're going to see, you know, Brian Hoyer is still on the roster. We're going to see what they can do. And I'm like, well, if, if Jerick Stidham has to compete with Brian Hoyer, then, I mean, we, I know disrespect to Brian Hoyer, but we already know who Brian Hoyer is. He's a backup. So that's not saying much about Jerick Stidham. 
But with Cam Newton, the big things I want people to, uh, you know, to understand and hear is this. Cam, with this opportunity that has been given to him, I think he needs to show that he's healthy. He needs to show that he can stay healthy. Because the workout videos, the training videos that he put out via Instagram, I love them. And I think it did him... Uh, I, th- I think it. I don't. I think it did him all the justice in the world. I think it did him all the justice in the world because you have teams and coaches around the league looking like, oh, okay, he looks healthy, he looks fine, he looks slimmer, he looks in shape, he looks athletic again. So the workout videos, the training videos, certainly help. But Cam's gonna have to show that he can maintain his health because. That that was a big reason why teams were not teams weren't as interested because it's a question mark with his health. But with those videos, it show a, a, it shows some commitment to the game, commitment to his craft. You know, he looks in shape, he looks skinnier, and then also, I would have to say, Cam is gonna. Make, I think Cam's gonna make plays. He's going to have to stay healthy, show that he's healthy, and Cam's just going to have to go out there and make plays and play well. Because this is a, this is an audition for Cam's next job. Because, let's be realistic, do you guys see Cam Newton with the Patriots for the next five years? Do you see him with the Patriots for the next two or three years? Mm, I highly doubt it. And, and most of you guys probably highly doubt it. So this is an audition for Cam Newton for his next job or his next employer. Because if, if, if Cam has a solid season, he stays healthy, there's going to be some teams out there that may look at Cam and be like, well, he's healthy. He was pretty solid last year. And New England didn't have the best weapons. Teams would bite. Teams will bite and they'll jump at Cam Newton. Simple as that. Teams will bite and jump at Cam Newton. I'll be back after the quick break. As far as NFL stories, they was in the storylines all day yesterday. Uh, and for the, that and the Cam Newton story was actually not even the first story or the first breaking news that broke. So, <laughs> and the Cam Newton story just went crazy. But the Patriots, of uh, you know, they're they're filming their TV set filming of of the Week 14 Browns and Bengals game. Uh, well, they got fined $1.1 million, and the, NF, the league took away their third rounder, their third round pick for the 2021 draft. So, you know, and this is going to be, and this was actually what a lot of shows were going to start with. Uh, I was going to talk about this 
after I had after the thing I had the you know the segment I had set up, I was gonna talk about this. But the Cam Newton story, they they went out and signed Cam Newton, and Cam Newton's such a he's such a a, a global star. He's such a you know a renowned he's a renowned star within the NFL. Uh, he got a little bit of Westbrook in him. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Westbrook, actually. He's, he's this, he's the NFL's Westbrook. It, you know, they, they, they're both high fashion guys. Uh, they've had some bad times with the media times. Uh, both are inefficient. So, you know, he has a little Westbrook, Russell Westbrook quality to him. Westbrook is a star. Uh, Cam's a star. And it's the Patriots. So, the, the story blew up. But, this right here is um, this is another scandal, and when and when the, and when and when this first happened of week fourteen, and uh, it came, the stories came out that you know the Patriots are filming the Bengals, I, I I didn't think much I didn't think much of it. I mean, I was like the Patriots are better than Cincinnati. They, I mean, but hey. It's a, it, it's, it could be, I, I wouldn't be mad at you if you saw it as a form of cheating. <laughs> I would not be mad at you. And this is enough, and I'm not going to die, I'm not going to dig, I'm not going to dive deep into the filming of the Cincinnati game. I'm just not. But what I am going to talk about is, actually, what I am going to talk about is this. New England, this is, uh, it seems like New England does this just better than the rest of the league, or they do it more often than the rest of the league, because they keep getting caught, and, <laughs> um, you know, they, they've won a lot of games, but I would not, this is the stigma that New England has with Belichick and Robert Kraft and Brady. Uh, you know, they, this is what the third cheating scandal. You had Spygate, Deflategate, and now this filming TV production gate. Whatever. Um, so this is the third incident, and I wouldn't be mad. Some people look at New England as cheaters. I typically don't, cause I. Let me tell you why I don't look at New England as cheaters. Because they had Tom Brady. Tom Brady, all American guy. Uh, you know, model wife, kids, cool guy, funny at times. Uh, he gives you like a Joel. He he has like that Joel Alstein. Um, <laughs> like inspiration, be bigger than life, and. You know, rise above. He, he, you know, Tom Brady has a little bit of that Joe Allstein type of feel. <laughs> um, so, with, with, so with Brady, I, he was like, you know, the sports, you know, the football figure that you know you just never saw doing. Wrong. Even with the Flategate, people saw. You know, I didn't think much. I didn't think much of that neither because Indianapolis was outmatching. Indianapolis had no business playing that game, but. The flake gate happened, it happened, it's gone and passed. But I typically don't look at that. I don't typically look at New England as cheaters. But this is who they are. This is the third incident. And now that Brady is gone, Brady has been like this shield, it seems like. At least for some fans. Brady has been this shield that covers that stigma. But, but I mean, just look. But without, if you remove Brady and Brady is gone, if you just look, look at the Patriots first, before Brady got to New England, the Patriots were they weren't a relevant franchise. They weren't a winning franchise. So let's just let you know, that's that's one thing that's checked off the board. New England was not a winning franchise. They weren't this stellar franchise that won a bunch of Super Bowls until Tom Brady. 
Um, Belichick is, a, you know, he's a great coach, and I think he's the greatest coach of all time and a great defensive mind. But Belichick is grumpy, wears the hoodie, don't talk much. You know, the media tries to get things out of him. They don't, he, he doesn't budge. And then Robert Kraft and his Miami incident, and, you know, it, it just, it, it's just a bad taste in your mouth when you talk about New England. And I thought Brady was the shield. I thought he was the shield for that. I thought Brady was the shield. Now that that shield is gone, it makes New England not as attractive. And, you know, I a lot of the country, most of, most of the country hates New England. And it's like, well, you don't have that figure. You don't have, like, that figure no more with Brady. So it's just like that. Bad stigma that just lies over New England. So let's move on. Um, so expectations for Cam Newton. I mentioned that, I, you know, I saw a bunch of people, you know, the hyperbole, when anything breaks, the hyperbole, like any, when I say anything, anything like stories like this with uh, a notable player going to a team, you know, the hyperbole, most of the time it's just hyperbole. Sometimes it's right. But most of the time, it's just hyperbole, and people just overreact. Oh my God, Cam Newton to the Patriots. Cam Newton's gonna, he's gonna win. He's gonna win a lot of games with Patriots. And I'm like, um, chill. First, chill, 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 chill. So growing up, all, you know, people, all, you know, older adults that you know I watch the game with and all that, and people just around me, and people that I just talk football with, as I was growing, as growing up, and and, and now. Every every year when the schedules comes when the schedule comes out, it's everybody says, "Oh, New England got an easy schedule. New England got the easiest schedule in the league. New England got an easy schedule." And you will look at their schedule. It's like, yeah, it's pretty easy. But this year, the year that Tom Brady left, how 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 fitting is that? The year that Tom Brady left, the year that Tom Brady left, it seems like New England has the toughest schedule in football. And looking at their schedule. This schedule is hell. This schedule is hell. And this is what I mean by high expectations um, being placed upon Cam Newton's shoulders, which are very broad, but I think it may be too much pressure and expectations. But with with when you just so I've been I've been talking about and I've been pointing out New England's offensive uh, struggles and their supporting cast. I pointed it out all throughout, and I ain't just the off season, but I pointed it out all throughout the regular season. I've been pointing these things out about how New England offensively is just not clicking, and their and their supporting cast is like their receivers can't get open, offensive line stays steady, but. There's injuries at times. James White, the running backs are okay. New England doesn't have a they don't have a reliable tight end. When you so when you just look at New England offensively, not defensively, but offensively, it's a head scratcher. And that's why I had them at six and ten prior to this move. Now, when they add Cam Newton, I think Cam Newton is talented enough. Where despite, unlike Tom Brady, despite uh, the the wep- despite you know the weapons not being up to par, Cam Newton's athletic. Unlike Tom Brady, Cam Newton will be able to extend plays. 
So I think at certain times, Cam Newton will be able to play make, and he'll be able to make some of these plays. Like, he'll just be able to make some wild plays at times. But I don't think you will I, – I, I just think offensively it would, be, it would be a struggle for New England. And let's just address their, – their, let's just address their schedule. They have to play – let's just let, – let, let's run off like the really good teams. They got to go to Seattle. Second week of the second week of the season, they got to go to Kansas City. They have to play the 49ers. They have to play Baltimore. In many people's eyes, Seattle, Kansas City, and Baltimore, and San Francisco, those are four of the five best teams in football in many people's eyes. Especially Baltimore, Kansas City, and San Francisco. Seattle they would be with they would be like uh, five or six, you know, depending on how you feel about Tampa Bay. But those are those are crucial games. Miami, I mean, not Miami, Baltimore, Kansas City, Seattle, and San Francisco. Though all four of those games will be tough. And if I was if I was a betting man today, I would bet that they lose all four of those games. Now you have teams. Like the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. In the Bills case, I think the Bills have the better roster this year. But the Bills have the better roster than New England. The Bills, um, Sean McDermott is a smart and he's a really good coach. Josh Allen is a talented quarterback with a cannon for arm. Uh, they, they've added Stephon Diggs on the outside. They've, Buffalo has gotten more explosive on offense, New England, they signed Cam Newton. So, you know, you can you can argue that, hey, Buffalo is Buffalo, and Buffalo might do Buffalo-type things. But Buffalo's better than New England. There's still more Tom Brady. Buffalo is better than New England. As a team, Buffalo, the Bills are better than New England, and you could probably make the argument that they were better last year, and they were very close to winning both games last year. But they got Buffalo on the schedule twice, obviously. I'm really high on Miami and Tua Tungavailoa. Brian Flores has done a hell of a job revamping that Miami Dolphins roster. Not to mention, the Dolphins did beat the, new, they did beat the Patriots at Foxborough last year. So those are going to be two tough games. Miami twice, or well, four tough games. Miami twice. Buffalo twice. Then you got teams like Houston, superstar quarterback of Deshaun Watson. Arizona, a star quarterback in Kyler Murray. Many people tend to think Arizona's going to have a, a, a decent year this year. The Chargers, they have a better roster than the Patriots. And then the Rams. The Rams have a better roster than the Patriots. So what you're looking at is... You know, I think, and I think within this schedule, within this whole entire schedule, New England will, I think they'll win eight games. I think they'll win eight games. Now, I don't know where. I think, like, I think they'll beat, beat Miami once at least, at least once. I think they'll beat the Jets once or twice. Um, but I'm looking at the schedule and I'm like, where are the eight wins? We're, we're, but I'm going to give New England eight wins 
But this is going to be a really grimy and tough season for the Patriots. I just think so. I mean, go look at their schedule. Go look at their schedule. Like, the Rams, in their division, a lot of people think the Rams are going to finish last. But the Rams, ha- the Rams have a talented team. The Rams have stars on both sides of the ball. So, it's like, even when you, like, when you boil, so, my, you know, my point is with that, even when you boil it down to, like, teams like the Rams, who many people, many people tend to think that the Rams are going to finish fourth, dead last in their division, the Rams are not a bad team. The Rams are going to win every bit of six or seven games this year. I think they're going to win, like, seven or eight games this year. So, with New England... And, high, and these high expectations for Cam Newton, be realistic. Be, let's, let's be realistic. They, New England hasn't gotten better on offense. Their supporting cast hasn't gotten better. Not to mention, they lost some guys on defense, but a lot of people, New England fans, people that are pro-New England, are going to lean their hat on Belichick and his defensive mind and the guys that they have on defense, and that's it's nothing wrong with that. But those guys are older, they are expensive, and like I said, there's been various stories, various rumors that if New England, like the way, depending on how this season works out, Stephon Gilmore, players like Stephon Gilmore and Joe Tooney may be on the trading block. So we have to see. We have to see. I think I, I, we have to see. That's all I'm going to say. You know, I, I'm, I'm excited for Cam. I think Cam deserved the job. I thought all along he was going to get a job. But New England, this is, this is far from a perfect situation. But like I said, Cam should worry about trying to stay healthy, produce, be productive, and audition. And look at this as an audition for your next job. Because, let's be honest, Cam Newton's not going to stay with New England for two and three years. Not, he's not even going to stay in New England for five years. So, this is an audition for Cam's next job. And if he has a productive season and he can show that he's healthy, I'm sure that there would, there would be a couple or a, few, or a few teams that look at Cam and be like, he was healthy, he was fairly productive with a weak supporting cast offensively. Why not take a chance on him? Watch. Watch. If Cam, if he, if he can stay healthy and he, and he produce and he's productive and the win goes like 8-8, eight and eight, there'd be a couple teams that bite. There'd be a couple teams that bite. Trust me. There'd be a couple teams that bite. Um, I'm going to let this play for a little bit. Uh, I'll be back. was going to be my initial opening segment of my episode, of this episode. 
all throughout the spring, we have uh, we've been talking about MJ. We have watched ten hours of a MJ documentary of the Bulls documentary, and just some of us remembering, some of us reminiscing, some of us seeing how great and how driven Michael Jordan was. LeBron is now 35. That's how old Michael Jordan was when he won his last title. So time is not really on LeBron's side. I've been on this podcast, on this platform, numerous occasions and have said this is probably the best chance for LeBron to conquer his fourth championship. With him being at, at the age of 35, he has played more minutes than anybody in league history besides Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Karl Malone. He's played one more season than MJ has. With time taking, with the Lakers being the oldest roster in basketball, this would be, this would be certainly the most opportune time to win a title. The Lakers have not made the playoffs since 2013. The Lakers have not even won the Western Conference since 2010. That was their last title. LeBron is a great voice. He's a great figure for this culture and the basketball culture. But as a basketball player, this might be, these next three months might be a stretch of LeBron's career. It might be the most defining stretch of LeBron's career. These next three months. I've been, on, I've been on record saying Giannis, there's a lot of pressure on Giannis this offseason. Or, well, not this offseason, but this postseason. It's a lot of pressure on Giannis to get over the hump and to take that next step into superstar. But with LeBron, he's trying to chase a ghost. He's trying to chase a ghost. And all throughout the spring, MJ has dominated basketball topics. He has dominated basketball segments. MJ Doc took over all of April and May. We talked about the MJ Doc for two and a half months. LeBron has missed the he missed the playoffs last year. And this year, he's going to make the playoffs. But we have been absent of one year. LeBron has been absent of one year of postseason play. And if LeBron was to win the title this year. He'd be, and if he was to win finals MVP in the NBA Finals, he'd be the only player in NBA history to win three finals MVPs for three different teams. So, yes, this is a really defining stretch for LeBron James. And you know what? You want, and not the thing, the thing with Michael Jordan and his story is the reason why people just, just appeal and drool over Michael Jordan. And so many people call him the GOAT. Yeah, he went 6-for-6 six six in the NBA Finals. Yeah, he had the killer instinct. Yeah, you know, it's so many great and memorable things about MJ's game. But the story, the storyline, the storyline of Michael Jordan's career and how, it's, and how his story is told, th that, that also helps. The stories, the memorable moments. Michael Jordan has memorable moments. And his memorable moments, we still talk about to this day. The struggle in the 1992 finals. The shot 
the, the shot against uh, against Cleveland in the playoffs. His his sixty three points against the Celtics in the postseason. Him beating the Detroit Pistons to get over the hump. Him winning his first title against the Los Angeles Lakers. Him in the flu game in the nineteen ninety seven Utah Finals. Him, his shot, the last shot, 1998, in the, in, the, in the NBA Finals versus the Jazz, Game 6. We have all these documented moments and situations and stories that were told about Michael Jordan in so many memorable moments that we still talk about till this day. That's what stands out about Michael Jordan and his story. Tim Duncan, great player. What's Tim Duncan's memorable moments? What, what are his memorable moments? What are his standout moments that we're going to be talking about through the test of time? And that's what you got to ask about LeBron James. LeBron, he has the best. LeBron and, you know, you know about him stripping his GOAT conversation. Because LeBron is going to surpass MJ in he's gonna surpass MJ in numbers. Like most numbers, most statistical categories, LeBron's is gonna surpass MJ, and he's gonna surpass just about everybody because he is he has remained consistent as long as anybody has ever had. So he's gonna he's gonna bust everybody. He's gonna bust everybody heads with numbers and stats most of the time. But. LeBron, this would be another memorable moment. Him winning the NBA Finals, and this is why I say it won't be an asterisk if Le- whoever wins this title, whether it be LeBron, whether it be Kawhi, whether it be Giannis, whether it be the Rockets, whoever. Whoever wins this NBA title, it won't be an asterisk. And with LeBron, if he wins this NBA title, this would be another barrier. This would be another storyline. This would be another memorable moment. The Lakers capturing their 17th title, tying with their arch rivals in the Celtics. LeBron capturing his fourth title. LeBron being the only player in NBA history to win three finals MVPs with three different teams. Him winning the title in Disneyland. Him not playing a home playoff game. That would be a memorable memorable moment. LeBron has probably, when he has... Two of the biggest memorable outcomes and moments in NBA history. Him coming back from three a three one deficit from the Warriors, and then him his the best and me personally in my opinion the best defensive play in NBA Finals history with the block. So with LeBron, you have moments that is put together, and with another moment with him winning another title. This year, with the Lakers capturing their 17th title this year, that would be another moment and a storybook ending to a great story that is still being written of LeBron James. And it would only strengthen his GOAT debate. It would make, like, the GOAT debate between Jordan and LeBron, if he wins the title this year, it it, it buffers his argument. It, it it tremendously helps his argument because he have things that he have memorable he have some great memorable moments. And not saying LeBron doesn't have memorable moments because he does. I mean the 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 twenty three the twenty three twenty five straight points against Detroit Pistons. 
Um, the you know winning his first title, the game six against the Boston Celtics, scoring dropping forty five, three one down three one, coming back against the Warriors, the block, the Spurs. He has memorable moments, but this would this would do it. This would really help, and this would strengthen LeBron's argument for him truly being the goat. It would. It just would. It just would. So um, I saw this lingering around. Uh, I'm gonna stick with the NBA, but I saw this lingering around, and uh, <laughs> Zion. It come. It came out. The schedule came out for the NBA in its restart. And Zion and the Pelicans have the easiest schedule in the league, in the restart. He has the easiest schedule. And once again, this, this, this fervor strengthened my point and it proves my point to be right about how I think Zion is the next face of the league. And the NBA is trying every it's, it's trying every point to get it's trying everything to get Zion into the playoffs. They're trying everything to get Zion into the playoffs, and he is the next face of the league, no doubt about it. Like I said, Luka Doncic may be a better player. Um, John Morant may be a better player. If you think that those guys are better players, Jason Tatum, hell, Jason Tatum. He might be. A, he's gonna be. A, he's probably gonna be a better player. But if you guys and if you guys think they're better players, they probably are. But they not. They don't have. I don't think none of those guys. They don't. And no disrespect, because I talk. I, I talk very highly of those guys. But they just. I don't think they provide the star quality, the superstar quality, as far as being the face of the league. And carrying the NBA brand and the smile and the personality and the flash and the wow factor. I think Tatum is close, but I think Zion just has it. It He has it, and it does not take long to have it. And have you noticed, like, all the critics have been really silent. They've been really quiet. You know, all the critics critique, you know, critiquing Zion, game, come out of Duke. You know, all the kids shoot. He can't put the ball on the floor. He can't go left. And, yes, I think he should develop a left hand. He should develop some ambidextrous skills. But the big-time critics of Zion, oh, where are you at now? Where are you at now? You don't hear much. Oh, he can't shoot. Oh, he, he you know, he, he's a one-trick pony. He, he can't, he's, he's too small. He's too fat. He's not going to be quick enough. He's not going to be strong enough. Where are those critics at now? Oh, oh, where are they at? Where they at? Where, where, where they at? I, you can't find them. You can't find them. So, like I said, like I said on the previous on the previous episode, yeah, John might be better. Luca might be better. Luca is better right now. Z- um, Jason Tatum is better right now. But look what they're trying to get in the playoffs. They're trying to get Zion in the playoffs. They're trying to get Zion a first round matchup against LeBron. They want that. The league wants that. They want that. The league wants that. Um, I'm gonna give out my off-season quarterback grades at the um, after this segment, uh, after this quick break. I'm gonna give you guys my quarterback off-season grades, teams that uh, re-signed or went out and traded or went out and uh, signed a quarterback in free agency. I'm gonna give those quarterbacks and those teams grades after this quick break. 
Okay, so as promised, um, I have my quarterback offseason grades, um, teams that went out or traded, uh, re-signed or signed quarterbacks. I'm going to give those teams grades uh, right now. So let's start at the top. Uh, we got Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom, so Tom Brady signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two-year deal. Uh, I obviously like this move. I obviously, th- I obviously think, uh, you know, you, if you've been listening since the since free agency, since the offseason, I've been talking about Brady to um, Brady to Tampa Bay and how how smart of a move it was. Um, Tampa Bay has some great offensive weapons. Uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, arguably the best wide receiver duo in football. So you got so you got you got something brewing right there. Um, Todd Bowles has an improving defense, a defense that finished off the season well. So you're looking at a Tampa Bay team that went seven and nine, but Jameis Winston threw for a for a, a bunch of yards and threw touchdowns, but he had a lot of late game interceptions. He had a lot of interceptions, period. But he had a, but then you know, put some ice on the cake, he had a lot of late game interceptions and turnovers that caused Tampa Bay a few games. So if, if you take away those mistakes, break, cut those interceptions, uh, you know, in half, which Brady, he will. He, Brady, I don't think Brady would throw more than 10 interceptions this year. But um, if you cut those turnovers in half, I think, I, you know, an improving defense with a better quarterback, I think Brady, uh, I would give this an A-. minus. I, I, I think I would give this an A-. minus. I think, you know, he's a little bit older. He's not athletic. But with a better quarterback, I think, you know, I think Tampa Bay would go 10 and 6. I have them at 10 and 6. I'm going to stick with that. I think they go 10 and 6. Um, Drew Brees. So, Drew Brees re-signed with the Saints. The Saints re-signed Drew Brees. Uh, I would give it an A minus. I would give it an A minus as well. Um, it's not, The Saints have a good roster. They have really good playmakers and, and dynamic guys around Drew Brees. So, they're able to make a lot happen, but and they would and then and they and then they went out and got Emmanuel Sanders, who's still pretty good. But um, when you look at the when you look at Drew Brees and the Saints, they're gonna have to start a they, they're gonna have to go for their franchise guy. I'm not sure if that's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. I'm not really big on Taysom Hill. Uh, I don't know how. I don't. I don't think he's a franchise guy. Um, so we just have to see, but I think New Orleans sooner, sooner or later, they will have to, they're going to have, they're going to have to find their, their backup plan. They're going to have to find their successor to New Orleans. Uh, I mean, I mean, to the, to Drew Brees, but I would give it an A minus Drew Brees don't have a great arm. He's not stretching the field, but we just got to see, we just got to see what it is. Um, Ryan Tan, the the Titans paid Ryan Tannehill. I would give that a grade of a C minus. Um, now they, I think they overpaid for Ryan Tannehill and he didn't have big time numbers. Like his stats in the playoffs weren't like, they weren't godly or anything, but he's a guy that's going to win you games. He's going to win you games. He's talented enough to make a throw or two down the field you know, once once or twice a game, he's talented enough to make, the, you know, an occasional big throw. He doesn't turn over the ball, so he's not going to lose your game, but he's not going to go out there and win you a lot of games either necessarily. But I think the Titans overpaid, and I think he had come back down to earth uh, 
think he had come back down to earth. He was playing at a, a really – he was playing a good level um, to end the season, but into the playoffs, it was more like Derrick Henry or Buss. And I think – you know, I'm not going to say – he's not going to throw for 80 passing yards, but he's going to come back down to earth. So I give it a C-. minus. Uh, Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts. So Rivers signed with the Indianapolis Colts. I would give that a C- minus as well. Um, Rivers, he's probably the least, uh, he's probably the least athletic quarterback left in the league. Um, I think even, I think Brady might be a little bit more athletic than Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers had 20 interceptions last year, and that was with the Chargers that had some good weapons, but they didn't have the best O-line. At least with the Colts, at least with Indianapolis, they have, uh, they have a, I mean, a really good O-line. They probably have the best O-line in football. So at least you're getting a good O-line with the Colts. But they don't have the weapons on the outside, on the perimeter, that the Chargers have. So I would give that grade a C, a C-minus as well. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater to the Panthers, I would give it a B-minus. I, I, I would give it a B-minus. Teddy Bridgewater to the Panthers, I would give it a B-minus. Uh, Teddy has some limitations. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the most athletic. Um, but you look at the weapons that's around him, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Samuel, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. They have some good weapons that, that he can play with um, that he's going to have in Carolina. I think they're going to be better. I think offensively they're going to be better than what people think. Um uh, Matt Rule, he's gonna he's a good offensive mind. So I I actually give that a B a B minus. I would give that uh, that signing a B minus. I think Teddy, he's the opposite of Cam, not overly athletic, don't have a strong arm, but he does not make a he don't make a lot of mistakes. He's efficient. Uh, he's not gonna throw the deep ball a lot, but and he has limitations. But he won't he won't make a lot of mistakes. Um. Nick Foles to the Bears. The Bears went out and traded for Nick Foles. I would give this a C plus. Now I do like the fact that the Bears are saying, "Hey, the Trubisky thing is just not working. It's just not working." So it's it's good to see that the Bears are acknowledging that. Uh, and I think Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy is a really good coach, and he's a really good offensive mind. But you know, with Trubisky and his limitations, Matt Nagy can't pull out all the stunts. But with Nick Foles, he's a, he's a big he's a big quarterback. He has a strong arm. He can throw the ball down the field. The only thing with Nick Foles is uh, his price tag. That that price tag, but it just shows you how how much the Bears are you know like they're they're basically saying like Trubisky is not our guy because they're bringing in Nick Foles who has a a really high price tag. His price tag his price tag is really high. So it show it sh- it does show you how much the Bears are you know they're trying to move off of the Trubisky you know bandwagon, but I would give it a C plus. Um, Jameis Winston to the Saints. He's he's gonna be a backup this, at least for this year. He's gonna be a backup. Um, I give it a B. I give it a B because with you know with just Jameis Winston, he has a excuse me he has a strong arm. It's not a question about his talent. It's more of a question about his judgment and his, you know, his decision making. He make a lot of poor decisions. He had thirty interceptions. Needless to say, he makes a lot of poor decisions. He he, he makes a lot. I mean, I'm just telling. He makes a lot of this. He makes a lot of poor decisions. 
if New Orleans somehow, some way can just remove those the those poor decision making and the and the bad judgment, if he can just remove that while he's in New Orleans, I think it'd be I think he I think he could be a star in this league. But as long as he had those that that bad as long as he had that bad judgment, I don't think it helps him. But I do think it's a B signing. Um, Marcus Mariota to Oakland Raiders, I think it's a D plus. Mariota has limit. He has. I mean, he has limitations. You know, Mariota's a high. You know, Heisman Trophy winner. A lot of people love him. He, you know, he's a he's a nice guy. But in this type of business, in and I, I would say in most businesses, in most instances, you can be a nice guy. You can be a nice person. But what are you bringing? Are you productive? Are you producing? And you know, he just has limitation. He's not the best leader. Like the quarterback is a verbal role. Like you gotta talk. You gotta talk if you're a quarterback. You gotta communicate if you're a quarterback. Mariota just does not do that enough for my liking. He don't. He doesn't. So I would give it a D. And plus, the Raiders. You know, it seems like they're quick to give up on Derek Carr. So I would give it a D plus. Uh, Dak signing his franchise tag with the Cowboys. I would give it a B plus. Because he has Mike McCarthy in these weapons, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, or uh, Amari Cooper, Zeke. O-line is still solid, but it's getting older. It's not as good as it used to be uh, two or three years ago. But the O-line is getting older, but he has some weapons and Mike McCarthy. So we'll see what Dak does. Um, I do think he'll be, I think like his numbers would be better. And I think the Cowboys might be better. Uh, we'll have to see, but I would give it a B plus. And then Cam to New England. Um, I would give it a C plus because Cam, great talent. He's a good talent. Uh, you know, it seems like he's healthy. It seems like he's committed. I think those, like I said, early in the pod, I think those training and those workout videos really did do him some justice with showing teams that he was committed. Uh, it seems like New England was sold. Um, now, this whole thing with Cam – I never saw him in New England and Bill Belichick as a great match because, you know, the way how Belichick wants to play, it's, it's efficient, it's detailed, it's tight. Cam is more relaxed and loose and fun and jolly and joke around uh, and not efficient. It, it, it's just two polar opposites. So I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was a great match, but I would give it a C plus because it's better than what they have. They're much more entertaining. They're much, I mean, with Cam, the Patriots are just much more entertaining. I think they win a couple games more than I, you know, than I thought they would at first. So I would give it a C plus. So that wraps up today's episode. You guys were great. Um, you know, the internet really. <laughs> The, the you know social media everybody really blew up the cam going to New England and I get it Cam is a big time notable name he's got a job and you know whatever team with I me mean, he go he goes he's going to the New England Patriots Patriots noble brand in football big time story I already knew that I was going to start the I was going to start up this this episode with it um, and I'm ending this episode with it it's just, it's been all Cam 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 uh, I am glad that he's got a job finally. Um, like I said, I think the workout videos did him justice. It showed commitment. It showed him working out. He looked skinnier. He looked. He looked. He just looked 
more athletic. Um, now, like I said, since his MVP season, Cam has been average quarterback. Before the MV, before the MV, the before the MVP season, he was average, and after the MVP season, he was average. Like I said, you take away. You, when, you, when you're trying to evaluate quarterbacks, it's best that you take away their best year and you take away their worst year. And you look in between those years, that's what you get. That's that's who that quarterback is. And Cam, if you take away the MVP year and you take out his worst year, he's an average quarterback. He's an average quarterback. Now, he's a great talent. A great talent. But he's average. He's average. He has. He's not efficient. But he, you know, he, he can make big time plays. But with New England in that match, with the supporting cast, New England, and they don't have a great supporting cast offensively, they don't. And the weapons that they have, like deep, no deep threats, no nothing. And in the, the system, I don't think the offensive system is built around Cam. I don't think it's built for Cam. It's built for more like Tom Brady. But we we'll have to see. Um, a lot of people are glad that Cam got a job. I am too. Uh, so I catch you guys on the next episode. Uh, be be stay out there. Be healthy. Be healthy. Uh, don't you know? Don't st- try to stay away because you know COVID nineteen has gone nowhere. So you know, just limit your social gatherings. Remember to keep a mask on. You know, uh, what can I say? <laughs> what can I say? It seems like it's you know getting sports back. That should help us out. Um, it's definitely helping us out. So, without further ado, I thank you guys for listening. Uh, always remember two choices, one decision. And keep on streaming this podcast and spread the word. The IKP, episode 133. I'm gone. I'm out. Deuces. See y'all.